now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning, and I hope it's a glorious Saturday morning wherever you are. Uh, it's a beautiful, sunny morning here, and uh, we have a great show planned for today. We have Gary Tucker from Dealer Raider on the phone, ready to go. Tell us all about that. We'll be doing a little bit of car trivia a little bit later, and also... I'm sure we're going to be talking about the big car show coming up at the Endicott Estate in Dedham, and maybe even a little car show coming up uh, today on Cape Cod. You never know. So uh, we have a a lot of things planned, as well as uh, taking your calls and comments at 617-770-3030, But with us on the phone right now is uh, Gary Tucker from Dealer Raider. Good morning, Gary, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, first off, tell us a little bit about Dealer Raider. What's that all about? Well, Dealer Raider is a website that uh, provides a location for consumers to both read and write reviews about the experiences they've had at car dealerships. So that could be a, an experience in the showroom, shopping or buying a car, or an experience in the service department getting their car service. And it's, all, it's a pretty rich dealership that you have... Uh, things like um, recalls, cars for sale, and other things on, on there as well, right? We do. Uh, we, we really try to provide some content to the consumers that will help them not only in the car shopping process, but in the car ownership experience. So we've got the ability for them to uh, re- review service centers nearby if they need to get their car worked on, or also to research any active recalls that might be in place on their vehicle so that they know to uh, bring it in and get it worked on. Oftentimes, especially when you buy a vehicle used, uh, you you might lose touch with the original manufacturer and not be getting the, the notices on those recalls. Well, that that's pretty interesting because a lot of times when people, we always talk about car repair and we talk about or a car buying experience and we always talk about kind of this word of mouth thing. Now all of a sudden, the word of mouth with the internet gets a lot bigger with a website like Dealerator. It sure does. You know, one of the things we're starting to see in the data is that that traditional word-of-mouth referral, which has always been a a huge part of any retail business, but especially the auto industry, is transferring online uh, into into third-party reviews. And consumers are putting as much faith and trust into third-party reviews as they used to put into that conversation with their neighbor in the driveway about what car they purchased. And that that makes it pretty interesting too, because I know a lot of times I, I'll hear in in my job that you know somebody will go out and they'll buy what should be a really good car, but because the dealer experience wasn't so good, all of a sudden that car that gets rated by everybody as one of the top cars, the experience coming away from the dealership because of either sales pressure or financing pressure or uh, the idea to buy some uh, extra options or conveniences that the car didn't come with, all of a sudden that takes what would have normally been a good experience and and all of a sudden it's not so good. And at the end of the day, things like this can actually help the dealer do a better job, right? Absolutely. I mean, we, we really see our mission as building trust between the consumer and the dealer. And if we do that well, both the consumer and the dealer benefit. Uh, the consumer can go into the showroom with more confidence about how they're going to be treated. Uh, and, and the dealer gets a customer who's far more educated and far more interested in actually making a deal. So it's, I think, a win-win for both the consumers and the dealers. And if you look around online, uh, John, there's lots of places to get information about which car to buy. Uh, there are many places to get a price on what to pay for that car. And the role that we play is, where should I go to buy it? What dealership should I choose to make my transaction? And and as you just described, you could have the perfect car, but if it's not with the right dealer and the right experience, it could be a very unsatisfactory uh, ownership experience. And, and we're really trying to make those connections, not only with the dealership and the consumer, but most recently we've started to focus reviews on the actual salesperson. So increasingly we see consumers using our site 
not only to choose which dealer, but which salesperson they're going to speak to when they go to that dealer. So this is, uh, I, and this is, I guess, not really a new process. Uh, the medical community's had this. I've seen Dr. Rader. I've seen Teacher Rader. Um, so it, it's a very similar type uh, plan. How do you, how do you um, ensure that somehow a dealership isn't getting slammed because somebody's putting up some fictitious information? Yeah, that's an important point, right? I mean, the value that we can deliver to the consumer and the dealer is directly related to the integrity of the reviews and the trust that they can put in those reviews. So we have um, a, a very rigorous fraud filter that helps to prevent fraudulent reviews. Uh, it might not surprise you that some people out there would try to do that. Not many, but when they do, we've got a very rigorous filter that would, would catch that and prevent those reviews from posting. If a consumer writes a review um, that is not about an actual experience and it does get posted, we have an appeal process for our dealers uh, where our dealers can reach out to us and let us know, hey, we, we don't think this experience happened in our showroom. And we have a fully staffed customer service department that will work with the dealer and the consumer to validate that that customer visited and when they visited and if it's a legitimate review, it stays posted on our website. If for some reason it was the customer posted it to the wrong dealership or it was inaccurate, uh, then we can make those changes on behalf of the consumer and the dealer. That's that's a great way to kind of counteract that sort of thing and make sure there's accurate because I've seen uh, reviews on places like Yelp and even TripAdvisor where it will be – TripAdvisor was one that, I, and a lot of people look at TripAdvisor. I happen to be at a, a resort that uh, I thought was phenomenal. Someone someone gave it a, a horrible rating, and they said there wasn't a single kind of food they could eat. And I couldn't imagine how, because it was a buffet that went from, you know, gluten-free to vegan to, uh, you know, pretty much go out and hunt your own food down, I think. And I'm like, right. how, could, how, how could this person say there was nothing they could eat? And including there was, you know, some restaurants there as well. And, and you kind of look at that and you go, well, I, I don't want to let that one negative review cloud a, a lot of positive reviews. And I'm sure it's similar like that with DealerRator. It is. And the way our program is set up, John, is, is we invite the person writing the review to tell us a story. So we actually have a, a minimum word count on our reviews so that the consumer's actually sharing an experience and not just writing a couple of words like, it was terrible or it was great. That doesn't really help me as a shopper decide whether this is the kind of place I want to do business. So we're really searching for stories about their experience, and sometimes those stories are not about a pleasant experience, but that's an important part of the shopping process and brings value to the consumer. The other thing, you know, your, your story about the, uh, the restaurant property the other thing that we really see is consumers are very savvy. And just as you kind of read that review and thought, this really isn't helping me decide to use or not use that restaurant because of the content and the way it was written, consumers are very smart and very savvy at interpreting which reviews help them and which reviews really don't add much value. Yeah, that that's a really good point and great to know. Uh, the... Um the parts of the where you have cars for sale now and more of that information, where do you find people going on your site? I know there's all kinds of analytics on websites today. Are they really looking to at the rating process or are they also are you also turning into kind of a one stop shop for people to to look and do research and combine some functions together? Yeah, we want to continue to add more value to the consumer that visits our site and and we're getting. Um, about a million visitors a month now. So a lot of folks are coming to DealerRater.com. We've been at it for 12 years. So although um, reviews and ratings have maybe been in the news more lately, uh, it's not something new to us. We've been at it for a long time, and we are continually looking for ways to bring value uh, to our consumers who visit the site. And by having vehicles on there, it just helps them go one step further in the shopping process. Particularly if they're looking for a used vehicle, it's important to find exactly that car that lines up to what your uh, needs and expectations are and then match that to one of the dealers in our network. Yeah, a very good point. And one of the things I like about your site when I was looking around on it was the idea that 
you could look at the sales experience, but also look at the service experience. No matter how good the car is, eventually it's going to need service. It might need warranty service, it might need recall service, or it might need regular maintenance service. And if the sales experience was good, but the service experience is not, maybe that's not the perfect dealership. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes the the cheapest price isn't the best price when you look at buying anything. Yeah, we, we really... Uh believe that the service side of our, our site is very valuable and increasingly getting attention from consumers. Uh, just as you mentioned, you know, buying a car is a, an emotional experience and certainly meant to be a positive experience for consumers, but that's just the start. Now you've got to maintain that car over some period of time and choose where to service it. And very often you would choose to service it where you bought it, but there are many scenarios, John, where you buy a car used or you relocate to a new city, you know, situations where you now have to decide without a lot of local context, where should I bring my car? And DealerRater.com provides a place for consumers to, to investigate dealers and service centers in their area and choose one based on the positive experiences of other consumers. Is this one of the only sites that is specifically automotive that lets uh, consumers post reviews of uh, sales and service experiences? Yeah, you, you mentioned Yelp, and there are others out there that do ratings and reviews across industries, but we are the world's leading automotive review site. Um, we have more reviews than Google and Yelp combined on auto dealers. And uh, so as a destination to investigate car dealerships, either in the sales process or the service process, we are the leading site to do that. Twelve years ago, when you when your program first started, was it started out of frustration by one of uh, uh, either either by you or one of your coworkers, or was it just something you found a need for? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm new to Dealer Raider. I just joined uh, literally about a hundred days ago. Been in the car industry a long time, but but new to Dealer Raider. Dealer Raider started twelve years ago. Our founder Chip Gruder, who's still actively involved in our business. Uh, was uh, a young executive making a purchase of a new car, and it didn't go the way we would want it to go. And, and back then, you know, there, there weren't review sites and there uh, weren't even blogs back in 2002 when this happened. So Chip really started to share his, his experience online via an early blog site that ultimately evolved into the opportunity for other consumers to share their experiences via the ratings and review site that we have today. So it absolutely started with a, an experience that didn't go well at the beginning. It ended well. The dealership ended up uh, solving Chip's concerns and, and making him a very happy customer. But he thought it was a story worth telling. And as he started to share that story with others online, he found that there was a real interest amongst consumers to learn from that, but also to share their own uh, information and experiences. Yeah, that I've I've noticed that with uh, uh, over the years with different types of websites that that I've uh, talked to folks about, uh, whether it's uh, CarGurus or iccars.com or others. That a lot of it starts as exactly like DealerRater did, where it started with an experience that didn't go that well, and besides being able to solve that experience for themselves they said you know there a there's a there's a potential to make some money here there's a business model here but also it's a if if there's an issue with uh with whatever it is in general let's see if there's a way we can fix it and certainly i think when it comes down to car buying and car repair if you talk to the folks at the attorney general's office they're usually right at the top of the list somewhere as far as complaints go yeah, I mean, and this is clearly a story that ended well, right? Chip started the business 12 years ago, and now we have uh, 1.5 million reviews on our site, over 5,200 dealers in our program, and uh, a million visitors a month. So it, it really is amazing how one small experience can lead into uh, an entire service or business like DealerRater. It, it really does. And uh, for more information, it's DealerRater.com, right? DealerRater.com. And, and you can go to our site to write a review or to read reviews about uh, dealers you're considering visiting. Sounds like great stuff. Gary, thanks for taking some time out and joining us on uh, the Car Doctor program here in Boston. John, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You as well. Take care.
Bye-bye. That was Gary Tucker. He is from DealerRaider.com. Been there only 100 days or so, so uh, yeah, good for him. And uh, interesting interesting idea. At AAA, where I work, uh, we have the AAA-approved auto repair where we go out and rate the repair experience. So we ask consumers to fill out uh, survey cards. We add those survey cards into the uh, profile of the garage, and if the survey card uh, results aren't in the top 10%, in other words, we were 90, 90% or so, we go in and start to counsel those approved auto repair garages. If it doesn't look like it's going to work, we, we, uh, they don't stay in the program. And we also look at a lot of other criteria as well, things like uh, minimum amounts of insurance and the right kind of insurance and ASE certification and all those kind of things. But uh, this, this is an interesting idea where the, the point is that consumers can are sometimes the most critical judges. And you talk to people, whether it's a car repair or restaurants or whatever the case, I was talking to someone just the other night who said they went to a restaurant, the food was okay, the service wasn't great, and it's like he said, and the, the bartender had just kind of a bad attitude. And he said, at the end of the day, he said, I went away, I spent $90 and I wasn't happy. Well, you have to think about those things and kind of th- same thing with the car repair. You go out and you spend 500 or $1,000 or whatever the case is in that car repair and you look at that and you go, am I happy? Nobody's happy spending a lot of money on a car repair, but on the other hand, people need to think about uh, was it necessary? Was all the work done correctly? Was it fully explained? And almost like uh, dealer rater rating sales staff, same idea. If there's five salespeople at, uh, at a showroom and you know that there's one who seems very familiar with the product, uh, just seems uh, more versed in the whole sales process, and if you go in knowing exactly what you want, all of a sudden you can turn an experience that in some cases seems like it can take hours and hours and hours into not much more than you know buying a toaster oven somewhere. You know, you're in and out in an hour, you sign your paperwork, you pick up the car the next day. That's a good sales experience. So it sounds like a pretty interesting process. DealerRader.com, you're thinking about having your car serviced or you're thinking about buying a car, maybe a good place to start is with DealerRader and then go in and get your own impressions after that and see what you think of the whole process at the end of the day. You know, I, I still like to go in and look around a little bit before I even think about buying a car. See, you know, see what the cons- the other customers are, feel like when they're in the, whether they're in the shop area or whether they're in the sales area. Are people looking like they're relatively happy while they're there? Can make a big difference. Why don't we take a break? If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Mustang And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or WROLradio.com, or, of course, your favorite... uh, fancy phone applications like TuneIn or, or iHeartRadio or any of those, so you can find us there. And, uh, well, Sunday, July 13th is just tomorrow, and you know what that means. It means the 43rd Annual Bay State Antique Auto Club Car Show, and uh, with us on the phone is our buddy John Diamond. Good morning, John. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, not bad. Uh, we're here on a very nice day as usual. Yeah, how do you how do you get that to work every every year? So we have a connection upstairs that says it absolutely has to be good Saturday and Sunday. Well, and, uh, uh, I don't know how you do thing. it, but you keep doing it. <laughs> We're ready. We're setting everything up here, getting ready to go. Well, and I think that's a lot of people go into, and I don't care whether it's a car show or you know any kind of big event. 
and to steal a word from Paul Sullivan, it's a lot like a duck. You A duck looks nice and calm swimming across the water, but there's an awful lot going on under the water. And uh, I think it's the same thing with your show. People walk in and they see a lot of beautiful cars and uh, everything well orchestrated and arranged, but there's an awful lot of work that goes in kind of uh, uh, behind the scenes nobody knows about. Well, we probably got about 50 people here working to put this together today, and it's somehow it seems to work out. Well, it certainly it certainly does. And uh, just to go over the uh, time timetable for tomorrow, uh, when does it all start? Well, we start letting cars in about seven o'clock, as long as we have people yep. to park, and uh, yep. we have pre-registered come in one way, and the, the regular folks come in another. And we uh, up the, the field. Yeah, and the uh, to be judged, which which a lot of people uh, want to do. A lot of people want to get their cars judged and see if they see if all their work has been worthwhile. Uh, they have to be there by ten, right? Absolutely, very important. We get a lot of disappointed people if they can't get up and get in by ten. They're not serious. Well, that's that's true. I suppose uh, you know if they if they can't be there by ten, you know, and you have you have cars come from all over the place, right? Yeah, we have you know pretty much the New England area, and we've got uh, thirty-five or so classes with three trophies in each class. So you got a decent car, you got a good chance of winning something. Well, that, that's that's good for the people, and I I will still go on to say that if you're thinking about buying a collector car, a classic car, a daily driver, you know almost almost anything that's not a new car, there's no better way to learn about those cars than to go. Talk to people who've restored them, purchased them, and and really kind of, in some cases, learn the mistakes along the way. So if you talk to them, most people love to talk about their cars. That that's very true. Most people are very proud of what they own, and uh, we have also a 250 or so car corral where people are more than eager to talk about their cars to sell them. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I know an old friend of mine brought his car up to the car corral uh, this was probably 10 years ago and uh, it was kind of it was uh, i want to say it was a it might have been something like a chrysler cordoba or a dodge magnum or it was one of those cars that it wasn't it wasn't a terribly interesting car but it was in beautiful condition and he said you know i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it up there i'm gonna you know hang out with the car a little bit by the end of the day, the car was sold. He was happy. The new owner was happy, and, and it was a good day for everybody. Well, there are always people there looking just for antique-type daily drivers. They don't have to be some some real restored convertible for something. There's a market for everything. Now, based on the registration, have you seen anything come in on registrations that kind of even made you go, wow, that's pretty interesting? Well, I haven't quite peruse them all because we've got about 400 pre-registrations and about 50 vendor pre-registrations and it's kind of hard to keep track you know when you look up through rows and rows of these things they all look the same that 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 is true and you just you just mentioned something about vendors uh pretty good vendor spot every year too for people that have yep yeah yeah all kinds of good stuff we also have a uh 50-50 raffle that goes on three times during the day so Pretty much any time you get here, you're in line for one. And we have about 10,000 people circulating through here, so it adds up. I guess I guess it would. So uh, so for everybody for everybody who wants to go, easy to find. Uh, it's uh, if you're coming off of 128, just follow the signs for East Street, right? Yeah, exit 14. Yep. It's pretty. You're right. It is pretty easy to find. The earlier you get here, the better off you are. And don't be and don't be concerned that you don't see parking. The parking's right down the street, and there's a shuttle bus that'll run you back and forth, or you can just park your car down the street and walk. It's only what a five minute walk. Yeah, at the most, uh, perfect. Yeah. You've got everything down pat. What time will you be here? Uh, I should be there around ten thirty or so. I just wanted to be sure to have to keep the seat reserved for you. There you go. All right. So the forty third annual Bay State. Antique Auto Club Car Show at the Endicott Estate in Dedham tomorrow. If you're bringing a car, it's going to be on the field before 10 o'clock to be judged. Uh, open to spectators. Uh, what time are you open for spectators? What time is uh, the gates Probably up? just about any time. They, people start wandering in about 8 o'clock or so for spectating. And uh, pretty inexpensive to get in. What's it, 5 bucks? 5 bucks, right. Cheap enough. John, thank, thank you, and thank you for putting this great show. You and your... Uh, your uh, staff I got a couple of assistants. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's always it's it's a good show, and anything that supports the old car hobby is uh, something that I always want to support. So thanks again. Thank you, sir. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's go over to the phones. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Yes, John. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I have a two oh nine Saturn R with a little four cylinder engine. Engine light came on, and uh, I verified it through General Motors. They weren't going to cover that particular code number, so I gave it a shot. It was a cam sensor, PO13. I did a cam sensor, and I guess I must have guessed wrong, or the light never went off. But I called them back again, and I have the, what do they call it, the General Motors hit a button, and they do a oh yeah uh, yep. star survey or whatever. Same code was up there. I went to some place, and they did hit the light out, came back home, Turn the car back on, and the light was there again. Hmm. Well, that's that's where you really have to start looking at the wiring of the sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wiring could the wiring could be an issue. There could be a broken wire. There could be a driver. There's uh, sometimes just like like you just found out going to the uh, you know going to the uh, very you know end possibility sometimes works. A hundred percent of the time, and sometimes yeah, it doesn't. Dark, so, you, yeah. yeah. So you have to. What was what was that code again? T zero zero one three. Yeah. So so in in that case, you know, you you have to look. There's a there's a uh, uh, Saturn because this is sort of an opal based Saturn. Kind of makes it a little bit more interesting to to you know kind of look at it and see what you need to do. They they look at a couple of different ways to kind of go at the. Uh, uh, st- uh, starting point of the vehicle and kind of test it all out. So there's, uh, um, they want you to look at uh, everything from the control module uh, to test a various variety of things to see what it is. So, you know, you may find that what you're, what you're going to be doing with this is um, they don't have the same kind of, um, kind of diagnostic tree that, that some of the other ones do so it makes it just a makes it just a little bit more difficult to figure it out so um you know where some you know ford or chevy for that matter may have something to say okay start here test this test this test this saturn doesn't have it with this because they they base it on kind of a four-part diagnostic review of the car so it makes it just a little bit a little bit more complicated i guess would be the way to the way to look at it so um they there's there's no easy way to you know kind of take a guess at what this could be so you know more than likely uh you, you know it's probably it's probably related to some wiring issue to the sensor but it could even be uh more involved than that so um in this case I think you might be uh, back to a good repair shop or dealer for this. Okay. Uh, is the cam sensor a, a shutoff point that a, the car won't start? In this particular vehicle, I don't think so. I think it because it uses it uses a combination uh, cam and crank sensor. I think one will back up the other one. Yeah. So I don't I think, think so. Yeah, I think the other sensor. I think General Motors did do for me. That that was a PO ten, I think, and they just did that about a. A year ago, so when I first heard, I'm saying, "Gee, I think they did it a while ago." I found my paperwork, and they did do a ten po one zero. So uh, even when I bought the part, the guy was a little confused. He says, "Do you need a sensor?" And there's an actuator, something slash something. I says, "Well, the code says sensor." So yeah, I yeah, think, it's right, a. I think my, my I tried my guess, and my guess failed. So well, <laughs> I guess I got to get a machine that's yeah. going to tell me. Well, and, and and it's and it's an exhaust camshaft positions sensor and it and it actually i it's actually the um it's the control solenoid circuit so again it's a circuit that kind of makes the whole thing work and the um the the way it's designed it can change it can change the angle of the camshaft sensor almost 25 degrees so i don't i think what happens is it um it will continue to run. Uh, it just it just not may not run the way it's supposed to. So there's um, there's a combination of uh, the P codes, but there's also a B code that could be involved in this. So this one this is just an oddball one, and and uh, both of those sensors will 
uh, when you when you do a little bit of research on it, both the um, both the the PO zero ten and the PO zero thirteen, um, they describe them as both uh, B type codes, which are related to the computer system. So it may you know it may or may not be the sensor, but it's one of those things that you have to really verify some of the wiring and the circuit information to see how it's going to work. And they have. Um, I, I was just uh, kind of stumbling through the repair information now, and it, it'll go through, through things like, you know, mostly it's looking at a resistance between the uh, circuit terminal and the ground to make sure everything's okay. Then there's a it's, a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty lengthy, I would say probably at least um, 10 steps. And it says, once you verify all the circuits are normal, uh, test and replace the actual solenoid after that. So did you, did you do the, um, the the actual so, uh, the actual sensor or the solenoid. I did the cam sensor, which was one bolt and a, and a three yeah. wire clip, and it was yeah, and it was right up top. It was, yeah, it was right up top of the engine. It was yeah. it was a quick fix, and and it was the three wire. I remember the three wires going there because it went on the internet. Yep. Some had two, or some had three. This had three, and uh, for some reason, I, and my concern was I thought this was a no go issue where the car wouldn't start because my neighbor had we put one in his truck. Not even thinking, so I got yep. concerned about that. So I said, "No, I want this thing to start." So I was going to shoot the fifty bucks for the pot in it, one way or the other. So yeah, well, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, it probably wasn't a total waste of money because you know, you know, it, it's, it was a gamble. It was, like it was a gamble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's and it. and and you 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 know you probably spent more on lottery tickets before. Yeah, so. That I have. That yeah. I have. All right. All right. Well, good sure. luck with Have it. Let, let us know how you make out. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car. Let's go over to line three. Good Hello, morning. John. Hello, John. Hello. Hello. This is uh, Peter in Salem. Peter, you going to bring your Edsel down to the show tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. Leave Salem at 6. Be there at 7. It's Good idea. Best show we've got, John. Well, it is it is an awful nice show, and and I think it's a manageable show. I mean, you go to shows like in and certainly the Bass Pro Shop show is a great show. It's so big though, and where it's at night, I I've been there a couple of times, and by the time I've gone through, uh, you know, a quarter of the cars, it's dark and it's it's time to get out of there. Oh, I know, I know. No, this is the setup is beautiful and. Uh... Just recommend bring sunscreen and a hat. <laughs> always always a good idea. Yeah, always a good idea. John, I got a question for you. I'm not Etsel related. Um, I got a uh, 1994 Honda Accord that my father bought new. Um, mm-hmm. It's got 186,000 miles, and it's starting to rust out. So I think I'm due for another, another car. And I'm looking at a 2013 Honda Accord Sport. Uh, with 20,000 miles, and I was just wondering if there's any um, service recalls or anything uh, wrong, because I'm a little concerned it's the first year for the CVT transmission in the Accord, and the price is uh, 18.6, and I was wondering if, if I, that's in the ballpark. Well, the price the price just kind of at first blush sounds sounds pretty reasonable, but let's see what there is on technical service bulletins, which you know kind of gives you an idea. It's not it's not uh, uh, you know just because there's bulletins doesn't always mean anything. Is this a four cylinder or a six cylinder? It's a four. So you have you have an engine that's pretty kind of tried and true to start off with. So that's that's always a good that's always a good thing to. To know about that's a good engine been around for a long time and i know when i drove the accord with the cvt i kind of came away saying this is one of the best cvts i ever drove now you know how it's going to you know how it's going to hold up over time is is always hard to say and what you know one thing you talk to people in garages all the time they'll tell you that probably the one weakness in older uh accords was always the transmission they were the, right. you know, right. some of the some of the older ones always had problems. But you know, just looking through the bulletins that I have, um, most of what it is is all kind of uh, uh, nuisancey things. There, you know, things like the you know a Bluetooth phone doesn't accurately, um, 
you know, connect or, you know, various, you know, more cell phone issues. There right. is one CVT bulletin about a surge or a hesitation, and that one is um, the repair is just a um, an update to the transmission valve body and an update to some software. So, you know, not really a big deal there. Okay. And there was uh, a recall about a uh, possible recall. I don't know if it's on that. It's a certain, certain serial number run, but, um, and that was on a fuel tank leak and where the fuel tank sender actually sits, uh, sits on top of the tank. So, a couple of things there, but uh, nothing that really jumps out as any real problems. Okay. I would just ask the dealer whether uh, is is it coming from a Honda dealer? No, no, no. it's a um, a mini dealer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it was taken in trade. Uh, uh, talk about young guys and cars. I guess it's still alive. He bought the car, drove it for eleven months, and then got the huts for a mini. Well, there you go. You know, wouldn't wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first person, I suppose, that probably did that. Um, yeah. I, you know, as far as far as you know, as far as things to look at, what I what I would do is I would um, I would take the serial number, see if you can ask the mini dealer, and the mini dealer is probably you never know might be hooked up with a Honda dealer somewhere. But say, can you make sure? Can you check and see if there's any open recalls, any recalls that haven't been performed? Okay. And other than that, I think I think you're pretty much in you know in the ballpark. What I would do price wise is I would look on websites. I would do a little bit of let the internet do a little bit of work for you. And you know the Kelly Blue Book and you know which is kbb.com or yep. nadaguides.com is going to give you a good idea. But I would also look at websites like cargurus.com. Put in the exact model you're looking for and see what other ones are selling for. That's going to give you a good idea. And you never know. Sometimes what happens, and I've found this on more than one occasion, is you see the car for sale at a dealership and they have a price and they have a slightly lower price on their Internet site. Oh, okay. So, so do a little bit of research that way. I would try. I would try Car Gurus. I think is a great site to do a little bit of shopping around for for that. And uh, you know, based on our our guests this morning, you you know, you might want to see uh, how the mini dealer rates with the dealerrater dot com. Yeah, I'll check that out. That was great information earlier, and I'm gonna. I'll do all that. And uh, yeah, I think after 20 years service, uh, it's uh, starting to rust away. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it, it does, and and it, you know, it's one of those things that I look at cars today, and like you said, 20 years. It wasn't that long ago that a car after four to five years would be pretty rusted. Oh. Today's cars are holding up pretty, pretty well. It's amazing, John. I, I'm thinking of that 20 New England winters, all that salt and sand, and, you know, and the car was outside all of its life, and it's starting to go. Uh, I patched it up a little, but, you know, it, it's temporary, and, yep. uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen underneath, and uh, it's still got some value to it, so I figured now's the time to, to move along, you know. There you go. Right, well, right. Well, well, keep Edsling. It wasn't an Edsling question, but it was a good one. It was a good one. All right, Peter, <laughs> take see, care. See you tomorrow. See you at the show tomorrow. Yes, Bye -bye. absolutely. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program, heard exclusively on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Well, a couple stories before we get to the calls here. My neighbor had a, uh, a battery issue with his car, and he uh, was going to go out and buy a battery. And I said to him, you know, AAA delivers batteries. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he, so I called up and got a price, and about $125 to get a battery delivered. And, uh, you know, could you do a little bit better uh, going to an auto parts store? Maybe just a little bit better. But you also means you're going to probably take more than one trip. Take the battery out or get the new battery, put it in, take the old battery out, go back to the auto parts store to get the, the core value or at least dispose of it in the proper manner. Uh, battery service truck comes out, 
They use a memory saver to make sure none of the radio presets or alarm codes or any of those things go away, and the battery gets put in, and you end up with a good battery with a, a three-year uh, fully 100% warranty, and then it's prorated for an additional three years after that. So it's a six-year prorated battery with a three-year uh, three-year 100% uh, guarantee. And uh, Buckler's Towing, Mike from Buckler's Towing showed up, and... Nice guy showed up in a little Ford uh, pickup truck with a cap in the back of it filled with batteries and uh, typical uh, light service, uh, road service, jacks and air tanks and all that sort of stuff. Comes out with his battery tester, looks at it and says, uh, yeah, let me test it first. I'm supposed to test everything and uh, just the way that the battery folks want him to. And he tested it out, and he said, well, the battery tests out good, but it's low in charge. So he charged it up a little bit, let it run. The cold cranking amps came back up, and he said, uh, and we were we were all prepared to put a battery in it. And he said, you know, I, I really can't put a battery in this. The battery tests out good. He said, what I'm showing is there's a three-amp draw on the electrical system, which is bringing that battery down when it's sitting here for, you know, a day or two or however long it's going to sit, and it's bringing the battery down. So he said, I, I can't go, I can't just go and put a battery in it without, repairing what's wrong with it because i uh, you know i'll be back in three or four more days to jump start that battery again and test that battery again because there is something electrical that's that's bringing this battery down so uh uh you know mike at buckler service uh thanks he came out uh you know couldn't even tip him so uh, uh did a good job and the other thing is i did a quick look um the uh caller earlier with the uh with the camshaft position sensor, apparently on the Saturn Aura, there is two camshaft position sensors, or what they call actuator solenoids, an intake and an exhaust. Um, and they both seem to come up with the same code. So again, you have to do a little bit of research to figure out which one is which, because it doesn't look like there's a different code it, but it does look like there's uh, looking at the diagram I was looking at during the break here it looks like there is uh, more than more than one sensor on the top of this little opal inspired engine and the other thing I was uh, uh, walking to the store the other day and a, a couple walks by me and we're walking by and I said hello and and they said hello and all of a sudden the guy turns around and he goes are you the guy from the radio and I said, maybe. And he said, uh, oh, yeah. He said, you know, I, I don't really listen to your program, but I, I listened to uh, Paul Sullivan's show. In fact, um, Paul Sullivan was the best man at my wedding. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I always, I always tune in a little early because I enjoy the banter between you and Paul before Paul goes on with, with uh, the Irish Hit Parade. So, uh, Interesting where you meet people, and uh, certainly, uh, certainly was uh, pretty, pretty good that he somehow recognized me. It wasn't like I was wearing a WRL T-shirt or anything, and he uh, must have just heard me chatting and recognized my voice and knew that uh, sometimes I'm on Cape Cod. But interesting. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's go back to the calls. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hello. 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 John, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay. John, two questions. One is, uh, it's recently, I don't know if I heard it correctly, did Subaru, certain Subarus have a recall on their brakes? I didn't hear about a brake recall on Subaru, but everybody's had recalls, it seems like, in the last couple months. There's been a ton of... Uh, Airbag recalls, but nothing I've heard about, nothing that really jumps out as a reminder about uh, about uh, brake recalls. Um, and what happens is, depending on what is being recalled and, and what is what information is available, sometimes even the dealer may not know about a particular recall um, until they get notified by the manufacturer. So sometimes what we end up hearing is... Um, there may there may be a uh, a recall that comes out, but but they don't they don't even know about it because they're they're uh, waiting to either hear about parts availability or 
or a variety of different things that, that could be. So what I would do is, uh, you know, if uh, you what year, what year Subaru do you have? Well, it's the 95 Outback. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, where that car is, you know, kind of, you know, getting up in age, you, you never, uh, you, you know, certainly there's. He doesn't have any miles on it. You know, he's only got about miles on it. You know? Yeah, well, the miles don't, the miles don't always really mean anything uh it's you know it's sometimes just the just the age but let's do let's do a quick look here you said it's a 1995 right yes outback outback so let's take a let's take a look i'm looking on the um the internet on the national highway traffic safety website which is where most which is where all of these start to show up at some point and let's see what we have for Subaru, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, one of these things that can, they can, they can kind of, uh, I don't want to say, you know, lose, lose them somewhere, but it's, uh, it's there, there could be an awful lot of different recalls for different reasons. Uh, um, and it, you know, some, some are, uh, Safety recalls. Most are safety recalls, but some are some are kind of odd. I I have a I have a recall that I haven't taken care of on my car, but it really has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with uh, a, a warning label that wasn't properly installed when they when they built the car, and uh, and it's I, I think it has something to do with the way the jack is made or something. So, um, but there is a there is a a recall for coil springs so and those are uh that would be in massachusetts and really that's the that's the only one i see for your year it has to do with uh the coil springs on the front struts could actually rust out because of salt and corrosion and what would happen is a piece of that spring could actually puncture a tire if if it affects his car, he'll get a recall. But if not, definitely go definitely go to the Subaru dealer. Go in, and they can just run the serial number, and they'll let you know if there's an outstanding recall. They get paid to do it, so they're they're happy to do it. Thanks, Joe. Okay. One other quick question. Real quick. Mazda six. What do you think of the Mazda six? I love the Mazda six. I think it's one of the I think it's one of the best kept secrets of mid-sized cars out there. It's a nice handling, got great style and design, and very very economical to drive. All right, take care. Bye-bye. You helped me with a battery once, and it was great. Glad to know. All right, take care now. Bye-bye. We need to take another break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be back in just a couple minutes. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Well, I need to talk about the car I've been driving for the last couple of days, and that is the 2015 Jaguar F-Type Coupe. This is a brand-new car for Jaguar. It's a little smaller than, say, like the XF or or uh, uh, any of the other um, coupes that Jaguar has. And the XF is kind of a coupe sedan, but this is, this is a true two-door coupe. Uh, probably competitive with something like a Porsche Boxster, maybe, or a Porsche Cayenne, something on those lines. It is powered by a 340-horsepower, 3-liter supercharged V6 engine. You look under the hood and you see nothing. You see an engine cover, and that's about all. There's not a whole lot to look at. It uses an 8-speed quick-shift transmission with uh, sport mode, so you can manually shift it if you want. Uh, it has a sport exhaust system. And it makes a little bit of racket when you first start it up. As soon as you hit the start button, it revs up to about 1,500 RPM before it settles back down. And it lets the world know that you're driving a sports car. Uh, it has intelligent start-stop, so it actually has an eco mode. So almost every car we're seeing today has some sort of an eco mode to try to uh, conserve fuel a little bit. And it is... Um, 
also has dynamic and winter modes. So even though it's a sports car, it has some ability to drive in the wintertime. Uh, it, it starts the car up in higher gears, so it's less likely to have wheel spin. Uh, safety is uh, all kinds of safety in this. Uh, front and side airbags, seat, bag, uh, seat belt pretensioners, uh, emergency brake assist, tire pressure monitor, dynamic stability control, um, for all the convenience options, you have the 380-watt sound system and all of the things that people want. The car has a MSRP of $65,000. Our vehicle tested out at $77,000, and there's a couple of reasons that brought that price right up. One is the climate pack with heated seats and heated wheel. That brought the price up $600. The performance seats add... Uh, pretty substantial number but it was really the 19 inch centrifuge alloy wheels they come in black and that is a $2,500 option and the uh, premium pack which is uh, about a um, $2,500 $2, option that includes 14-way power seats, smart key with keyless entry, dual zone climate control, garage door opener, more leather all around the inside of the car. Actually, that's 2700 And one of the things that I like about the car, it has something called switchable active exhaust. So there's a button you push, and it gives the exhaust a little bit more burble. It gives it a little bit more tone when you're driving the car. When you put it in performance mode, it, that happens automatically. But if you don't want to drive in performance mode, you hit that button, and it just gives it a little bit more sound, which brings the price up to, uh, with destination and delivery charge, $77,375. It is in a uh, color which they refer to as salsa, think hot red, and the interior is jet with red zone with jet stitch. Um, not exactly sure what jet stitch is, but it is It is certainly a car that is a very stylish car, and it looks like a car that should have had bumpers on it that they took the bumpers off to sculpt the body of the car a little bit more. It really stands out and really catches the attention. It's not even just the color. It's the design of the car. Driving the car, 340 horsepower, plenty of scoot with this car, phenomenal handling, a lot of blind spots, though. And one thing I was surprised, uh, it has it has pretty wide door pillars. It has pretty wide rear pillars on the car. One of the things that really sort of surprised me was no backup camera on this car. And this is a car that could really use a backup camera uh, because there are a lot of blind spots in the car when you're driving it. Uh, comfortable seats. Uh, Long-legged people might actually find the cockpit a little on the tight side. I know I went to get out of the car one time and... Uh, it was it was a little bit tight getting out. So, but really a phenomenal car to drive, and uh, might even take this car to a car show. You never know. Might even show up at the Endicott tomorrow. You never know. Might be a little too new for that, but you never know. Hey, we're just about out of time. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. The best in Irish music with Bill Porter coming up next with the Irish Hit Parade. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week.